Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I want you guys to know how much I appreciate you. I love you guys. Thank you so much for the support. It chokes me up um, because it's overwhelming, and I'm just grateful for it. We're getting a very powerful message out to a lot of people who need to hear it, so thank you. I want to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks, and my good friend, Drew Peterson. Thank you for believing in me. It means the world to me. And I'd like to uh, welcome uh, our amazing guest today. His name's Bachelor Wise Johnson the Fourth. Is that right? Yes, sir. What fourth. a cool name, right? <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. it. I love it. Um, thank you for joining us today. I really do appreciate it, and I'm I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you a little better. Um, bachelor, you, you know, you're currently a student at BYU, finishing up in your master's degree. Um, you know, during you you've played football, which is interesting. Yes, sir. You played. You, did you play both for BYU and Utah? Yes, sir. So I was originally a walk on at BYU. Okay. Um, some things happened. Injury. Uh, tried to get back on the team, couldn't, and then right. Utah wanted me on, so I I was a walk on there. Okay. And then some things happened. My second year, my dad lost his job. Um. Had mm. going through some mental struggles. Okay. I needed to leave the game, and then when I came back, I went to BYU. Well, I went, I went to the master's program at BYU, and then they found out I was in a master's program, and oh, then I wow. played my last year there. Okay, interesting story. But uh, you were born in Los Angeles, but you were raised in a suburb outside of Houston. Yes, um, you're a proud member of your church, which uh, which is the LDS Church, if yes, I, right? And faith, me, you know, your faith means a lot to you. I know that. Um, you're very passionate about it. Um, you're also very musically inclined. You got an amazing voice. You know, I, I'd love you to just sing for us, right? Oh, <laughs> but you that. do a lot of freestyle, which yes, is sir. what you call it, and you, you got it, just an amazing voice. Um, you know, you want to start law school, it sounds like, and then you're also looking at maybe going in the NFL. Is that correct? Yes, sir, trying to do as much as I can. Dude, I love it. I love it. Well, we were just talking off the air here, and I – I told Bachelor to his face, the reason why I'm having him on here today is because of his energy, his passion for life, and his desire to do good in the world. Honestly, that's why you're here. Yes, sir, I appreciate and, I, that. and I hope that your words and the things that you'll say will really inspire our listeners, especially those that might be struggling. So thank you, Bachelor, for you know, being willing to come here and being probably some, you know, being vulnerable with us and sharing some things with us. Yes, sir, most definitely. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us really quick a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up, um, you know, what that looked like. I know we mentioned that, but, and then, you know, tell us a little bit about your family. So me growing up, I, so like, as you said, I, I was born in California. Um, I was raised in a variety of cities the first seven years of my life. Um, more or less apartment to apartment, motel to motel, uh, moved to Texas in Houston originally, um, in A-Leaf where we stayed with my auntie. Okay. And then my dad, my mom, uh, took care of business and, and was we were able to move into our first house when I was like eight. Um, oh, right on. Or pushing eight. Uh-huh. And um, honestly, that whole story was a blessing in disguise. And so I got to live in what is now known as the number one community to raise your family in Texas. Really? And so, yeah, it was a complete 180. It was a complete 180. <laughs> and so yeah. I got to see both sides, you know, and... um. When it comes to how I was raised, my parents did not want us to be categorized or labeled or mm-hmm. limited in any way. So for me, living in a suburban town and being not only the only like 
LDS person out there because it's it's uh, Houston, but yeah. Um, I mean, Katy, Texas, excuse me, that's what it's called. But I was the only black person in my classes, and so I wasn't allowed, you know, to wear hoodies. I wasn't allowed to wear sports jerseys. Um, I would get physical punishment if I didn't come home with my shirt tucked in. Really? Um, I remember I had a progress report that had like 388s, and I got spanked. It was just like my parents, I wouldn't say they were strict, and in no way were they abusive, but there was a standard that you had to live by and the okay. standard that they kept me at yeah. um, because they didn't go to college um, and they wanted to put me in the best position possible. And because of that, I did things that without it, I don't think I would have been able to do. Like my dad had us inquire. Um, my mom had us do, you know, theater. We were involved in church. I was a five-time class president. I was class president in my eighth grade year. And then, oh, wow. And then um, the high school I was in had 4,000 kids, and I was class president every year of that. Very I was cool. in, like, Houston congressional councils. I was <laughs> doing anti-bullying campaigns. So, and I played football, did track, and played basketball for a year. And so um, the way I was raised was just, like, my dad. my dad's motto was, if man can do it, we can do it. And so he felt as if there's nothing we couldn't do. And my mom's whole thing was, like, you know, the whole scripture about – when you put God first, like I could do all things um, to Christ who strengthens me. That's kind of my mom's go-to. Right, and so okay. with those, with, with that combination, you kind of just, as a kid, you really think that there's really nothing you can't do if you, if you put the work in. Wow. That's really cool. Um, so really what your dad was saying is there's no limits. None it's limitless. All. You can do whatever you put your mind to, Yes. but it sounded like as long as you're putting your faith in the forefront is that correct they, most definitely yeah like that's how my parents felt like they th them being together was a miracle us being able to live in the house that we lived in was a miracle getting to move into that neighborhood was a miracle because it was undeveloped so you know how yeah. real estate is oh yeah and so um we felt because we were blessed with these many things and because we read in our scriptures about all these miraculous people the lord works the same as he did yesterday right and so Wow. We all, we believe that. Well, yeah. my parents put it in still in us that miracles happen for us every day. Yeah. Was was it hard though as a kid? Like, did you kind of like, how you know, it, it probably felt like mom and dad were being strict. You didn't could... think it was hard until you compared. Oh, okay. So it was just normal. <laughs> it was just normal. Okay. And then it got to the point where like over, like over the summers we would have a, we had to have four hours of work every day. So like Monday through Friday in the summertime. We'd wake up at 7 a.m. every morning and we would go in the backyard and my dad would put us through these crazy, like intense workouts really? to get us ready for sports. And then after that, we would come in and play piano for an hour and then we would uh, do something else for an hour, which, whether it be math, uh, reading a book or studying a language. So I was studying Rosetta Stone, like Spanish for a couple of years. Right. And then I did Chinese all through high school. And so I thought in my head, all kids are doing this until you go back to school and yeah. you see kids are taking trips. You see kids are enjoying their summers. And then it was just like, what in the world? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but so when it starts to pay off, though, because I was probably one of the most unathletic kids ever. And so for me mm -hmm. to even be a walk on at a D two D1 universities, that in itself was a miracle. miracle and yeah. I owe that all to my parents. So like like hindsight, you know, everybody has 2020 vision hindsight. Like they're geniuses, absolute geniuses. In the moment, it was it was definitely rough. But Very as kids, yeah. you do everything your parents tell you to do anyway. For sure.
Wow, that's awesome. You know, and you mentioned that, so they wouldn't let you wear a hoodie mm -hmm. or a sports jersey. How come? Stereotypes. They okay. didn't want me to be categorized as the, I couldn't even get a, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but I couldn't even get a fade on my hair. Really? Because all, <laughs> everybody, every uh, African-American kid out there had a fade. And it's just a typical, it's a normal haircut. It's nothing wrong with it. But my yeah. parents refused to, it was more, it was more on my dad. My dad knew. And so I wasn't allowed to wear a hoodie and then it made sense with the whole Trayvon Martin. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I wasn't allowed to wear sports jerseys because my dad didn't want them looking at me as a jock. Like I went there for school. He wanted me. Like, school first. School first. Yeah. Like the schools that we only entertained for football were um, Harvard, Yale, Cornell, and Columbia um, and Lafayette. And so we were only considering those schools because even though they wanted me to play football, they had a good academic background. But okay. we chose BYU because BYU gave me a full academic scholarship. Oh, so we really? weren't even looking at football yeah. or track. So, yeah, my dad was strictly, he <laughs> wanted people to understand that we like we have things to offer. Yeah, well, I, and I can imagine at the time, like you said, when you start comparing, you're like, man, these other kids can wear hoodies and sports jerseys and stuff. But, man, I think that's really neat uh, and pretty amazing that your dad – was like that because like you said when you're going through it it kind of sucks yeah but then you said it starts you started noticing these payoffs yes it, right big time especially when i'm in especially now like in today's climate um like my mom wouldn't let us like use slang in the house <laughs> and like you know you have different dialects with different people sure but that respect level that i had for my parents carried over to when i i was able to talk to my professors in a way where they can not just understand me, but look at me and, and for strictly why I was there for class. It wasn't like I didn't have to act a certain way. I could just be myself. So because this yeah. was so natural growing up, yeah, I didn't have to force anything later. And so like, yeah, it, it paid off. Yeah, well, that's pretty amazing. So you, you obviously, uh, school came first, you were playing sports. How, how were you as a kid though? I mean, were you a pretty confident kid or did you struggle? And maybe talk about some of those struggles you did, you know, just individually, you know, that you went through. I didn't struggle with my mental until college. Okay. My, I wasn't like, because I did so many things, it came with a lot of, it came with a lot of hate, but it came with a lot of love. And my parents, like, like a, when you're in our household, they don't feed negativity. Like they wanted, like they wanted to treat our house like a library, like a temple. And so only thing in there were good vibes, laughing, good music. And yeah. when it came time to discipline, it's discipline, you move on. Like, we didn't have any family, like, beef. Like, we saw things and moved on. Um, as a kid, I would come home. This person said this. And my parents would be like, do, do you care about what they say or what we say? And then you had to make sure you answer that question correctly. And so <laughs> yeah. we were like, okay, right. never mind. And so we had, I had, <laughs> even when I was younger, I was in fourth grade. I remember my fourth grade teacher and a couple kids in my class made fun of me for being LDS. Like I remember vividly getting bullied in my class about being really? LDS and believing in Joseph Smith. And then my fifth grade teachers, I remember telling them, telling my parents that, hey, your son can't do everything. You need to find a way to pick one. My parents left extremely mad telling me you're going to do everything now. And then... <laughs> Um, right. And then like just going on from then, like that's all. And that just continue all through high school. And, and you already know, like when the more your name gets known, the more the more that's likely there's there's, there's going to be hate that's there. And so when I was class president and doing all these different things, you were met with some scrutiny. But 
but you focused more on proving people right rather than proving people wrong. Yeah. But when I got to college, that's when things changed. Um, I was not involved with girls at all in high school. Like I was straightly, I, I had a bishop, uh, Bishop Farewell. He kept me on the straight and narrow. He was super strict with me. I didn't even think about dating really. I went on, I had a brief girlfriend in um, my senior year. It was nothing. It was just like nothing. nothing. It was just super immature nothing crazy. But in college, falling in love and there's a completely different beast. Yeah, and then right. you start realize like you really like not only falling in love, I didn't make the team at BYU when I knew that I should have made the team. And you start all these comparison things start yeah. getting in your head. People with careers, people doing this, people doing that. And because I didn't have my that staple with me, like my mental struggled bad. And so um my first times dealing with um anxiety and depression were when you haven't had a feeling before, mm-hmm. it it took me for a, a whirlwind. And so my parents actually had struggles with mental, but they never they never told us about it. Okay. And so, so it was all new to you when it, when college came, right? That emotional literacy, like I was emotionally Ill- illiterate, so to speak. Yeah. And so I remember playing, putting on my my helmet at Utah, lining up for just a routes on air. Basically, we just run the routes with the quarterback, and I legit could not hear anything. And it was the weirdest feeling ever. It was just like, and then like, I felt like my body was just moving in slow motion and I was like sweating mm. and we hadn't even really started practice yet. And I just realized like, I talked to one of the, um, I guess the mental health coaches over there and like, okay, that's your experience an anxiety attack. Just, I was just like, I was like, no, this, this not yeah, me. Right. Like I'm, you know, I'm quote unquote, I'm bachelor Johnson. I'm supposed to be the guy who <laughs> does everything. Like yeah. this is not supposed to be me. And I used to tell like, I, cause my sister dealt with mental problems. I just tell her, all the simple, all the, the most ignorant things I could say, I would say, you know, you're just not being grateful or you're just not working hard. Yeah. Like, like you're, stuff like that. You mm-hmm. must, you must not be doing something right. Yeah. And then for the first time, like you realize like, oh my goodness, like this yeah. is any, like they don't care. Like when it comes to mental health, it, they don't care about your occupation. They don't care about what you've been doing with your life. Like it, anybody can be affected. Right. And so going through that was a huge struggle. Um, I was meeting with my bishop weekly. I was coming to I was I was living in Salt Lake coming down to Provo to meet with BYU counselors that I had known um that I felt comfortable being vulnerable mm-hmm. with cuz I'd never done this before. Sure, yeah. And neither could I afford to go to what well, to my knowledge. And so yeah. I did that for nearly a year and mm-hmm. I started um listening to audiobooks. I got an Audible account and on top of that I was studying my the Come Follow Me LDS Church manual. Okay. daily daily and so right. all those things combined made a difference but yeah it was a struggle yeah how did you did you reach out to your parents at that time too like you know you're at college and whatever did you did you let them know man i'm really having a hard time no not even when why um, why do you think you didn't do that i felt my parents had given me so much that in my head i was just like I'm sick of taking away from them. And Almost like feeling bad you were struggling because look at all the things they did for yeah, me. Yeah, it's just like why, like, after everything they've done, how am I, like, you know, this is the part of, this is the time where all their, all their hard work in my head, I'm supposed to be paying it off. Like, I'm supposed to be trying to get getting to the point where I'm working to retire them. Like, that's where I put on myself. Like, hmm. I told myself, like, I'm, I'm going to retire my parents as soon as possible. Like, um, mm-hmm. they work way too hard and they work relentlessly 
and sure. I was supposed to be you know the go-to child right so my sister struggled um and she's super super strong and and you know I can't I feel for women um especially I'm biased to black women because especially like the the struggles that they go through yeah and then my little brother um he always talked about me being his role model so I didn't want him to see me weak and I my my relationship with my parents have grown more the past year year and a half than it has I feel like any time in my life because I don't know how it was with your kids, but like there's a point in time where you realize your parents are humans. Yeah. But you forget that. Like you, for sure. You forget that. Cause <laughs> in your head, my parents are superheroes. Right. Yeah. And you realize, wow, like they went through stuff too. Like yeah. there wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Like, exactly. Cause they paint struggle to be like, you know, this is part of life and all, but sometimes it does get to you. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, like I didn't want to tell them and <laughs> Looking back, I, I kind of feel crazy, but in that moment, there is no way I was calling my parents and telling them, <laughs> right. hey, it's getting really bad. I was sometimes telling them, hey, I have a bad day, and I just need a little pick-me-up, just some normal stuff, but yeah. like, hey, I'm seeing counselors and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't tell them that. Yeah. Well, and it sounded like you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You know, you're you're going to retire your parents. That's a lot of pressure. Um, my, my younger brother looks up to me, and I'm the role model. I better not show weakness. That's a lot of pressure, yeah. right? You're trying to be there for your sister and, and be that supportive as well. That's pressure, you know? And then just the normal college, everyday life, yeah. going to school, trying to get grades and that all this stuff, playing football. <laughs> Dude, th that's a lot to take on. And I think a lot of kids your age in in college go through this that they, they struggle, you know? Yes, sir. I... I don't know. You're right. Like, you're totally right. Like, you don't realize that, like, we are all trying to figure things out. Yeah. And, like, yeah, we don't give each other enough credit. And yeah, it's just there's bad stigmas, especially around getting over, you know, there's a bunch of people that are getting over trauma. And yeah. then. Right. And, like, we put, like you said, like, you, you put too much burden on yourself. You allow, like, the mental struggles to, to, to over, like, overshadow or cloud out the things that you know, that make life great. So, right. Yeah. So, so you go through this, you're struggling, you're seeing some counselors. Um, did you start getting some breakthroughs and noticing a difference and were things starting to get better? I became genuinely happy after, let me see, about 10 months later. Okay. I became genuinely happy. Um, but you start getting back to the core. Like I started doing things that I used to do. Um, when I was growing up, sort of focusing my energy in places that not were my strengths, but places that I knew I could I could grow in and, and mm -hmm. leave out with a positive impact. Um, and like you were telling me off air, like waking up in a good mood, um, yeah. that's success in itself. And like I think back to those days, I woke up motivated every single day. Yeah. And not even motivated to accomplish the world, but literally motivated just to eat breakfast yeah and just motivated to clean myself up like brush my teeth wash my face and things that like you take for granted when things are really well mm -hmm. um but just like looking back it's like yeah i just got back to the things that that like the small victories because like the small wins add up and so like yeah i could see those big changes yeah and i think a lot of times you know we all do this like okay i gotta accomplish all these things and then i can be happy it's like i'll be happy when or i'll be happy if yes sir and I think we, a lot of us fall into that trap. And so when we do that, though, what happens is we, we accomplish something and then we're like, I still don't feel happy. What's going on here? That's why when we were talking off air, um, 
that happiness, the, the, or excuse me, the definition of success should be for all of us waking up in a good mood. Because, you know, I know a lot of people, Bachelor, and I'm sure you do too, who have it all, it seems like. They got a career, they got a following, they got a brand, <laughs> all this stuff, and they're miserable. So what's the point, right? Exactly. You know, so, um, you know, as you move forward, so here you are, you're still in school, you're in the master's program, right? Yes, sir. What 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 are some of your th- goals and dreams now? What are, what are you trying to shoot for? And and then I also want to get into your freestyle. So, like like I said, like as a kid, like you grow up, like I told you about my my upbringing, just being able to do all things. And so, I kind of don't want to not give up on anything. I want to say give up. I kind of just want to push the limit in every single aspect that I can. So, mm-hmm. like we talked about before with football, um, I still believe that I have a lot left in me. And so March 26th is BYU's Pro Day. So I just hope to see what can come of, come of it. Yeah. And in regards to um, school, right now I'm preparing to do a documentary. And so, like, yeah, BYU's mass communications program is insane. So you could do – so you can either do a thesis or a project. I decided to do a thesis uh, – a project, excuse me. Okay. And so I took a documentary class last year, and mm-hmm. it was just interesting to me how, like, my teacher made us feel like anybody could do a documentary about, like, there's always a story to tell. And so, yeah, just getting into that, getting the gist of things, I'm excited to be launching that. Um, and uh, hopefully towards the towards the end of summer um, – and so that that's the goal for there. And so I'll be finishing up my master's with law school. Um, I just want to be able to be qualified in, in that area. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things growing up, my dad wanted to make sure that I understood law and the laws of these countries, laws of the country. And so um, I've always been passionate about helping out the little guy. And so the church has been doing a lot. Church of Jesus Christ has been doing a lot um, in representing underrepresented people. And so they worked a lot with the NWS. NAACP and they've been okay. representing people pro bono and so oh, right I'm on. super yeah and so they have a, a great great program that um I've been talking to a lot of people in the program that are excited uh, about the upcoming work and that's something I want to be a part of and with music um uh, that's just I, that's if there's anything I was born into that was what I was born into my grandmother had a hit song in the 60s, and then my dad rapped in the really? 90s. Mm-hmm. My grandma, Barbara Lynn, she had a hit song called You'll Lose a Good Thing. Really? Knocked Elvis off the chart. No way. Yeah, she's she's insane. She's like one of the she's like the first uh, female left-handed lead guitarist. And like, she's insane. And the blues, like, she's, you look her up on YouTube, she's. Really? She's, she got everything, everything, all the tools for, for artists. Yeah. And then my dad, yeah, he was a um, great, phenomenal musician. And then uh, my grandfather on my mother's side, because um, my mom's from Samoa, and so he would tour islands. And so my late uncle who passed recently, he was he was picking up in the music area. And so, okay. so yeah, it runs in the family. Runs in the family. So now it's, yeah. I feel like it's my turn. And so me and my brother and my sister, we had a little uh, family group. And okay. So, so with the freestyles, it's just more or less I take popular songs that people like. Um I maybe sometimes sample a classic on there yeah. and then I just I just uh, write to it and just sing it, sing my own lyrics and then yeah. hopefully it's just like another rendition of it. Yeah, well, I've listened to a lot of those freestyles and it, you're amazing. Like honestly, that, like you're, you're, it was funny because before you got here, I was telling people that you were coming, right, that I work with here and, and, and they're like, who's, who's Bachelor Wise Johnson the fourth, right? <laughs> and I said, so I, I, I turned on one of your freestyles and I didn't show them a picture yet. <laughs> I just turned it on and let them hear it. And they're like, 
whoa, who's this? And I go, this is Bachelor. <laughs> and they're <laughs> like, wow, that's that. incredible. That big time. Thank you. Yeah, no, you betcha. Um, well, so what are your, you know, I love, you know, like I told you, the reason why I, I, I wanted you on here and I reached out to you is I love the way you live your life. You're passionate. You're energetic. I know you want to do good. You obviously have a big heart. I think you do put a lot of pressure on yourself because you want to do so much, you know? Yes, sir. What, what are, what are some of your bigger plans? Like, you know, outside, and you obviously got some big plans, but yes, you know, what do you want to do to like maybe help, you know, others in, in your community or that kind of thing? So I'm super passionate about, um, just like equality, equity and things of that nature. And so for me, yeah. um, what drives me is the fact that if I were to be raised in the areas that I was raised in the first seven years of my life, mm -hmm. I don't think I'd be here today. Really? And I honestly believe my parents don't really like this too much because they feel like I don't give myself enough credit. But in my head, I feel like you put anybody in my shoes, raise them the way that I was raised, allow them to see the things that I saw, they would be in the same position as me, if not greater. And so for me, I believe getting people resources is what I care about. And so I know that I have family members, friends who lived on the opposite side of the freeway, so to speak just a county down and they don't yeah. get the same things. And so, um, of course, like, you know, the way capitalism works and the way school systems work, your schools are funded by, you know, taxpayer money. So if you pay, if you live in a nicer area, you're going to have nicer resources and things of that yeah. nature. And so for me, um, I just want to do similar things to what Mark Cuban's doing. Like, I don't, I don't know if you know, but he's making like more affordable, like pharmaceutical products. And so mm. I just see different things and I just want to provide a different light um, cause if, if you show people their potential, they're more likely to get there. And yeah. so for me, I saw what I could do. And so I was like, okay, I can get there. And so when you tell yourself that every single day, I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of room to be, there's a lot of work to be done. And to be honest with you, like my main reason why I want to go to law school is yeah. I do want to run for president one day. Really? And I never said this out loud. I, cause like first, this is the first time. Cause usually <laughs> right on. I was voted most likely to run for president. I wanted to shy away from it. And the reason why I want to shy away from it because I used to hate the Obama jokes towards me. You know, like I used to oh, always really? get, especially Texas conservatives. So I would always get like, so they would always be thanks Obama. And so they would do thanks bachelor when I was class president and he used uh, to get under my skin. Yeah. And so <laughs> I shied away from it. And my dad's like, son, you need to go to law school and political background. Like you could really make a difference. And so I hated politics for the longest time. Yeah. But then I realized, you know, like, I can't say that I hate something in general that affects us so much. And it's yeah. like, I don't want to be the person like any, everybody thinks that they have the best advice, right? Everybody sure. thinks they have the best advice. And even me as a sports fan, I tell a coach what they should have done. And you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help anything out. And so the way that you effectively fix things is inside out. And so for me, in my ideal world, I'd run for president when I'm 35. But I know it's not how it works, but that's what I shoot for. Really? And so even think about it kind of makes me uncomfortable. But <laughs> but yeah, like I, yeah. I really do like making a difference and being able to establish like better, not only community relations, but relations with other countries and getting to know different cultures and, and things of that nature. Like it's super fun. Like growing up in, in Houston was like the seventh most diverse city when I lived out there. Mm -hmm. And then coming out to Utah and experiencing a different culture and, and the stigmas that I had of Utah coming here and then things changing, I'm like, I actually love this state. I love this state so yeah. much. And then yeah. you see different people, like, especially growing up with 
and like Texas was conservative, most people I met and you talk conservative, you realize that I hear people say people are generally bad. In my head, people are, are good. I feel yeah. like most people have great hearts. Most people have great aspirations and we're all essentially fighting for the same thing. Yeah. And to me, I don't see why you can't put 20 people, liberal, conservative, um, libertarian, green party, you put them in one room for eight hours and they can't come up with a plan to push this country forward. That's in my head. Yeah, sure. And so for me, it's just like, how do I, how can you really change a generation? I feel like it starts with education and it starts with the simple act of like loving your neighbor. I know it sounds corny, but literally loving your neighbor, the only way you can love your neighbor is if you get to know them. Yeah. And so for me, it's just like, I need to humble myself enough to get to know anybody, no matter their history, no matter their background, and then effectively make a change from there. Wow, I love it. Talk about a big goal, president, right? I love that. Well, I think it goes back to what your dad was always, and your mom were teaching you as a kid. There's no limits. I, I mean, that. think about that. It's pretty powerful that they would be willing to do that or that they did do that. I mean, I think that's incredible that your parents are like that, actually. And I'm sure it was tough at times because it sounds like they were also – they didn't mess around, right? Not at all. <laughs> they didn't screw around. But I, I think that's, I like that because they taught you discipline and they taught you to live a certain way and act a certain way, you know, and, you know, even all the way down, you can't wear a hoodie, you know. I think, again, I actually like that because, again, it, like you said, you don't want to portray something you're not. Yes, sir. You Most know? definitely. Yeah. Wow, that's 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 awesome. Um, So, you know, you mentioned, you know, you know, a few times in the podcast, but you were you were one of the only um, black kids in your school at the time, right? And yes, the and, and the LDS kid, right? Mm-hmm. So you had both of those, I guess, quote unquote, working against you a little bit. Yes, sir. Talk about that a little bit more because I think, you know, we don't, you know, people, you know, I mean, I've grown up in Utah. We're pretty sheltered here, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I think it's getting better. Yes, but I, I tell us what that was like. You know, and you mentioned you were even bullied for being LDS and then even being teased. Oh, thanks, yeah. Obama. Thanks, Bachelor. That kind of thing. Talk more a little bit about that, would you? Yes, sir. Um, it started in the home. Like, you had to be, like, my parents made sure we were comfortable in our own skin. And so, at least my experience for me, it wasn't, it was, it was, it was, it was rough. But it was rough in the sense that you didn't really understand growing up as a kid. And, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I've been it all my life, so, like, I don't really know any differently. I've never, like, even yeah. even coming out to Utah, like, you think you'd be able to relate to everybody because you're, you share the same faith. But then yeah. you don't because your cultural experience is different. Right. And so in every aspect, it has been different. But in regards to, I'll just start with faith. Okay. Um, as kids, you don't really notice because you're kids. But you start when you start growing up and you start realizing you're not getting invited to certain parties. You're not getting right. invited to right. hang out with certain certain social groups. Like it, it starts to like not mess with you, but you start to realize, you know, dang, like this is <laughs> this is different. Right. Like my first high school relationship, like I had um people telling her that that Mormon kid is brainwashing you. And I was just like, dang, like I didn't even really know people thought like that about, you know, my faith. And so my, my prom group 
it was just me and my best friend that I had baptized that year. Mm-hmm. It was me, him, and our dates, and that was our prom group. Our homecoming group was maybe like six or seven of the guys and our dates. It wasn't yeah. like and, and in Texas, like you typically have a big group, especially for your senior your senior homecoming and like things like that used to get to me used to make me realize like dang, I can't like I can't ask out this girl, not because like I'm not a good guy or yeah. she's not a good person, but I just know that parents may not be cool with it. Parents might the, struggle. And, and, yeah. and they're and the thing is though, like I got the respect from a lot of them as we gotten older because of yeah. my moral standing. Like even on the football team, they would make jokes like, Hey, if you wanna they literally would say this in like they said, if you wanna um if you wanna leave your girl for the night, leave her with Bachelor, because at least you'll know she'll come back untouched. And they would laugh about it. And in my head, I was just like, it is what it is. And then they had yeah. like the top ten whitest black kids <laughs> in the in the district or it in the school in the district. And I was voted number three. And then they took me off because they said he's Mormon, he's supposed to act like that. And oh. it was just like things like that. And you look back and it's funny. It didn't get to me at the time. Um, but you just start to realize like, wow, like I really did live in a in the area that that, you know, it was just super, super different. Yeah. And and so I was it wasn't anything I, I I loved it though. I embraced it. And like my favorite like my favorite athlete of all time is Kobe Bryant. And although vastly different lifestyles, but he like embraced the role of the villain. And so for me, I always try to I, even though I, sh- I was not the villain and all, but I just embraced right. and all the hate I just embraced it. It was just like you know, like you can't please everybody, but at the same time, you can't change who you are. It just make basically, if I could put it in simplest terms, where I'm from, you're either like you're either you either lead the gospel or you become so like you become so converted in the gospel that nothing can shake you. There's no there's no in between. Right. Like I felt like when I came out here to Utah, there, there's a bunch of people that, that hang on the fence, you know, that yeah. they go through the motions. You cannot go through the motions where I'm from either you show up to seminary or you don't like right. 6 a.m. seminary you don't you either are a member or you're not because you are like one of 15 people in the 4,000 school that's LDS and yeah. whatever you do shows them so like I remember people be like uh I'm not really LDS I would see people like that like in my school yeah but me I ate it up and I loved it and it got to the point where I could have been a better member of missionary though. I could have been, but I was so defiant <laughs> as a, I was young. Right. I was, sure. I was immature, yeah. but then coming out to Utah, it was a different beast. That was, I was known for being LDS back home. When I came out here, everybody's LDS. I was known for, you know, the color of my skin. Yeah. And it's like all of a sudden people assume that you're a certain way. Like I've had many, not even just kids around me. I had many professors that would ask me like, Hey, if you need any extra help with religion class and, I'm be sitting here thinking to myself like, I'm I'm a member too. Like, yeah. and then a lot of people assume that I was there for football. And as much as I wanted to be there for football, right. I didn't make the team. Right. So I was strictly an academic kid. And so it took me <laughs> it took me about it took me a couple of years to establish who I was. And right. um, but it was cool though. BYU, it may be uncomfortable, but BYU offered me opportunities to be on panels to talk about race and right. do certain different projects so yeah. it's cool but i mean like you know how i don't think utah is racist i believe that there's places that were actually racist but i think utah is just racially unaware so if they both can yeah. say like let's say that someone says a derogatory comment about blacks in texas derogatory the same derogatory comment in utah there's two different experiences behind it like yeah. in texas you support 
black people when your team plays on Saturdays, when your team plays on Fridays, when your team plays on Sundays. And you see them down the street in high school football, college football, you love them. But day to day, it's like, not that you hate black people, but you don't want them dating your daughter. But in Utah, it's, <laughs> Utah is a little different. Yeah. Utah is, I only see what the media shows me. I only see what's around me. Because it's like point something percent black people in Utah. So because you're not around black people, you don't really understand that. You can't yeah. put them all in the same category. And right. so when I came out here and I started hanging out with different people, they start to realize, like, oh, like they tell me, like, hey, I wasn't expecting this. And then and then I, I used to be offended. But now I'm like, we do that as normal human beings all the time. Like, if yeah. I was around, if I, for example, the same portrayal of pit bulls. I hear people all the time say pit bulls are one of the most loyal dogs, loving dogs. But the only thing I've seen of pit bulls are... Yeah. The the biting, the fighting. And right. so I realize that I have my own biases when it comes to certain things. And yeah. so being around that has been able to open my perspective up a bunch. Wow, that's very well said. Thanks for sharing that because that's some good perspective there. And and again, you know, you coming to Utah from Houston, you know, that's a that's a big difference. Yes, sir, most right? certainly. But uh I love what you said. You're like, you know what, I, I I you know, you said you look up to Kobe Bryant as one of your maybe heroes or whatever. And you're like, I try to have that same mentality, right? Because Kobe, what I mean, he's just like, hey, I got all this adversity, bring it. Yeah, I thrive off it. I'm gonna serve, you know. I'm gonna, and it sounds like that's what you're kind of trying to do with everything, is yes, that, hey, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that, get that mental game going, and and be doing strong and that kind of thing. I absolutely adore Kobe Bryant, yeah. and yeah. um, he, like, it's like he, 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 his mistakes were made public. Um, mm-hmm. His um, even off the court was made public, but even on the court, you know, the quotes of him being a bad teammate, this, this, yeah. and this, and you know, like we live in a we live in a media driven world, and negativity transfers what in our minds like seven times more effectively than than positive, and so for me, I felt like the only thing that can hold me back from doing what I need to do is my is my mental, and so yeah. like looking at Kobe Bryant and, and and not only like his philosophies of just enjoying life, but the work that he put into it. Yeah, and to me, it like translated to me. It's like you know what, this is how I was raised. Like if you put in the work, this is what comes out of it. Like preparation kills fear, and like in my life, I'm not gonna be like I may be confident, but I have so much fear that I feel like runs through me, and it's just like I just got into Star Wars. I don't know if you're <laughs> a big Star Wars fan. I just got into Star Wars. I've never watched Star Wars growing up, yeah. but in Star Wars, um, when I'm talking to Anakin. In the first movies, they're telling them, Anakin, mind your thoughts. Like, mind your thoughts, Anakin, mind your emotions. Because yeah. he showed a lot of fear. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was just watching it. It just resonated with me. I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so true. Yeah. And so, like, with Kobe Bryant, like, just, you know, the year anniversary of his passing, um, and just the whole mama mentality, like, just, just not only just thinking li- limitless, but just being relentless. And, like, yeah. failure comes to us all. And having a fear of something that's going to happen, there's, like, literally no point in it. Right. And so just learning from your mistakes and, and being able to capitalize on your mistakes. Like if I can master anything in this life, it would be controlling my emotions and um, mastering my mistakes. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, that video you posted to Kobe on your, uh, on your Instagram where, you know, he, he, he's talking about shooting all those air balls. Right. And, you know, he was, that guy was asking the interviewer was like, well, you know, how did you get over that? How'd you? And he's like, I had to get over myself. No one cares, but exactly. me. Right. Exactly. And, he goes, and it's like, okay, why did I shoot those air balls? Okay, now I got it. I'm going to fix it. 
and I'm going to do something different. Exactly. Right? So I love that. Yeah, it's just the whole mentality. Like, Kobe airballs those shots, and did Kobe lose or did his team lose? Like, his team lost. And he realized, like, it's bigger than him. So that's why I tell my mom all the time, like, I be, like, my mom is brutally honest with me. My mom, <laughs> my mom is like, if I talk to my mom, I know I'm for sure going to get advice that it's not going to feel good, but it's going to be what I need to hear. <laughs> right. And so I tell my mom about relationship problems. I tell my mom about football problems. I tell my mom about, you know, my music's not doing what I wanted to do. And she tells me, she's like, she's like, son, it's, it's not about you. And like she tells me all the time, she's like, you spend, she said, you will never be happy spending your time with people and places that don't want you. And I didn't want to hear that because it was like, you know, like this relationship is supposed to work out or BYU football is supposed to work out. Like I'm living the right way. How come this is not happening? And my mom sits here and she just paints things out like yeah. in a blatant way that Shoots only straight, yeah. only that only <laughs> she could get away with. Right. <laughs> right. And it makes the ease puts everything in perspective. Like if my true goal is to better the world and community around me and to like one day be the best husband and father that I could be, like if I could be a duplicate of my dad, half the man that he is, I would consider it I've done my job. Yeah. And so for me, it's like if that's truly my goal. Then my in, not my individual struggles don't matter, but my individual my individual struggles do not matter enough for me to not fulfill my daily obligation. And so, like, like when you talk to me about just waking up with a good mindset, I'm thinking to myself, like, that's something that I have full control over. Of, like, I don't control other people's actions. I don't control this or that. But like, I realize like, I hate the fact that I've allowed myself to let go of my agency to choose whether or not. I'm happy and I've yeah. met people that actually have like struggles that are like that are that are real things that need to be solved with with medication um things that they have like born with that that's hereditary and things that like I'm still learning about but I know for me in my individual state like the things that I can control yeah and like the things that you talked about just resonated with me. like when you said that you wake up with a good mindset every morning I was like I didn't even know like in my head like I know it's possible, but just to hear it out loud, it's just like, mm -hmm. that's what I need to do. Yeah. Like, it's just like, that's why, that's why you're inspiring people and I'm learning because you wake up with a mindset and I absolutely like, that's why I, I honestly, I know I'm sharing my story, but I needed this so much just to like yeah. see you face to face and be able to learn from you and understand like, not only is this possible, but it's possible right now. Yeah. And so, like, I appreciate you thoroughly more than you understand. Oh, but, like, you. I am, I feel ready to, any anything anybody needs <laughs> with me, I feel ready to get to work. So, yeah. Well, thanks for the kind words. I really do appreciate that. And I, I don't always wake up in a good mood, but I'm pretty consistent at it. And it's taken me a while to figure that out. Consistency is a, consistency is the key. That it is really a godlike is. trait. And, yeah. and I, I think that it's so undervalued just yeah. being consistent. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I heard once that David Goggins, you know, that uh, Navy ex-Navy SEAL yes. said, he goes, I can, he goes, I'm the most patient guy on the planet. He goes, I can watch grass grow for 20 years. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. You know, I was like, whoa. And, pro <laughs> and he probably can, that guy. He's on another level. But uh, no, I appreciate the kind words, but it was interesting, the conversation we had before we got on here. And it was really cool. And I wish, I wish we were recording, actually. It would have been really cool for our listeners to hear that. But thank you for being so vulnerable. I got one last question for you, yes, if that's sir. okay. If there's someone listening to your voice right now who's struggling, who just feels, I guess, lonely and lost, 
what would you tell them right now? Just to surround yourself with things and people that you love. Um, for the longest things, you start chasing things that don't fill you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I say this not in terms of just people. I'm talking about like substance. Like I used to play video games a lot to distract me. Um, it didn't fill me. But the things that do fill you may take a little work. Yeah. And so if people can understand to surround yourself with people and things, um, places that fill you, then you become more aware of yourself. Yeah. And when you become more aware, you realize that like, yeah, like the limits that we put on ourselves are placed by the constructs that are around us and sometimes the people that are around us and um, just the life that we live. And so the whole live limitless, it's not just in regards to chasing your career or or trying to change the world or, or trying to change the world that you have. It's literally like think limitless in like your mind. Like, like for me, like growing up, like why can't, like for example, like I grew up with a family that down south, there's not, you don't really eat healthy. Yeah. And so even something as simple as that, like, why can't I eat healthy? And in my head, I translate that to everything. Like, why can't I make it to the NFL? Like, why can't I win a Grammy? Like, why can't I go run for president? And it's like, yeah, a bunch, a lot of this stuff has to do with other people's control over whether or not. But right. the work that you put in is all on you. And mm-hmm. so you can tell yourself today, I'm I'm a step closer to where I want it to be. Yeah. And so even if, even if I don't win a Grammy, even if I don't make it to NFL, even if... I don't become president one day in my head. I would have known that if I spent every single day, at least working towards it just a little bit, I would be the best husband and father that I could be one day. And like, yeah. that's all I care about. And like building up the next generation is like all of our goals. Cause at the end of the day, we're, we're all, I think everybody just wants two things like happiness and peace. Yeah. And so like for people that are struggling, especially when I was struggling, when I changed my surroundings and I changed, like it helped me change my mindset. Cause it's not easy going in day in day out telling yourself to be happy and like that you choose whether you're happy or not like you know that but it's not it's not easy at all and so it starts with like for me at least it started with me changing my surroundings and from then on i started to get back to that limitless mindset that i once had as a kid i love it that's great advice thank you for sharing that it's powerful you know if there's someone listening to this right now that wants to reach out to you or or follow you or get to know you or ask you a question what would be the best way for them to do that I'm more active on my Instagram. Okay. So my Instagram, Bachelor IV, my name is spelled B-A-T-C-H, like Bachelor Cookies, L-O-R, Bachelor IV, at, uh, well, <laughs> at, on Instagram. Okay. And so DM me on there. Um, I have my email on there. Um, okay. And so, yeah, if anybody has a question, I'm always willing to have conversations and always willing to talk, yeah. be vulnerable. I'm not ashamed of um, any yeah. struggle that I've had. It doesn't. Like we're all human, like I said, we're all human beings trying to work towards the same thing. For so sure. I'm more open. That. Well, and I challenge the listeners to actually reach out and go check out his Instagram and listen to some of his music, the way he sings. I mean, you're getting like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 likes on everything and you really are making an impact. Thank you. In a, in a positive way. And again, I'm honored that you'd be willing to come do this. I mean, oh. I really am. I It means a lot to me. And I, I also want to th- give props to your parents a shout out to your parents right now. What what are their names? My dad's Bachelor Wise Johnson the third, and then my mom's Maria uh, Maretta okay. Johnson. Bachelor Wise Johnson the third. <laughs> I should have known that, right? <laughs> right. Well, I want to give a shout out to your parents and say, hey, thank you for 
teaching your your son to be an, an amazing human being because he's doing a good job of that. And I would I would bet your dad says you're just like him. You know, you said if you were half the man as him, you'd consider that a success. But I would say you're probably just like him. And so. Thank you for sharing some insight with us today and taking some time out of your busy schedule. And and I'm just excited to get this out to our listeners. And so thank you, Bachelor. No, I appreciate it. I think you're doing like you're you're you like I'm hype. I, I wish I could put it into words, but I'm excited. Okay. And so like awesome. I know for sure, especially after, you know, uh, I've known Kennedy for some time, mm-hmm. your daughter and um the spirit that she has, it's all it all starts from home. Yeah. And so I don't know what it is about dads, but I feel like <laughs> I need I that's what having kids I I hope I get that superpower too cuz I feel like dads are just yeah. relentless in yeah. in terms of chasing their goals and people to look up to mm-hmm. and the best advice givers, counselors and so mm-hmm. I know for sure like you will be there. I hope and so. the reason why you will be good at it is cuz you're going to go through a lot of trials and heartaches and pain just like your dad did and just like I've done. So I don't really give, I mean, I'm not really any better than you. I'm just further down the road of experience. That's it. We're the same, my friend. And so, <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much, man. That was beautiful. Yes, sir. I appreciate beautiful. You. Well, there you go, listeners. Another amazing individual, another amazing guest. Thank you for joining me. And again, thank you for always supporting this. I love you guys and keep supporting this. Share this with everybody. Please check out Bachelor. Reach out to him, ask him a question, go listen to him sing. You will be pumped. He's amazing. (laughs) And you guys are amazing. Love you until next time. Yes, sir. I appreciate you.